God says, if you will live your life united with me, united with your family, united with your brothers and sisters in Christ, I can pronounce my blessing on your life. Preaching the old-time gospel. With a fresh anointing to a new generation, this is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. Unity. According to the Bible, when you live in unity with fellow believers and with God himself, it is good and pleasant. But with so much strife in our lives, can we really practically live in unity? According to King David, the answer is yes. And today, Brian Tyndall will expound on King David's call to unity, which he wrote down in just three little verses. So join us now in Psalm 133 for a study entitled, The Blessing of Unity. Here's Brian. If you have your Bibles today, I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm 133. Psalm 133. And as we look at this psalm today, and it's the psalm of David, uh, King David wrote this psalm. It's also uh, one of the psalms of ascent. As we look at this psalm today, I want us to think about the blessing of unity, the blessing of unity. You know, unity is something that every single one of us want, and it's something that every single one of us need in our lives. There are many people that they have money, they have position, they have power, they have material possessions, they have many things in this life, and yet they don't have unity. It might be that they don't have unity with God uh, because they're lost and, and they're living in sin and they're living separated from a relationship with their creator. And so it doesn't matter uh, what takes place in their life. Jesus said, what would it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? You see, it doesn't matter today how rich you are or how many other things materially you have in your life. If you don't have unity with the one that created you, then you will never find what you need in this life. But it could be that we don't have unity uh, with our own family members. I know through the years as a minister, I've seen uh, family members, even Christians, that they didn't have unity with their family. Husbands that didn't have unity with wives. Wives that were uh, living in division with their husbands. It could be a division between parents and children or uh, brothers and sisters. Many times in my life, I've seen some horrible divisions within families, within relationships, within physical families. And my friends, what I've experienced in my life is when there's a problem with me and one of my family members, especially uh, my wife or my child, uh, those that are closest to me in my physical family, when there are problems in our physical family, it doesn't matter how good everything else is going in our life. If there's division in my home, if there's division in my relationships with those that are in my physical family, my life hurts. My life is, is not what I want it to be. Uh, it doesn't matter how good everything else is going. Those divisions cause me much distress in my life. And the flip side of it is at those moments in my life when I am at peace and I have unity in my marriage and unity with my child and unity with those that are in close association with me and my physical family, it, it's almost like an oasis. 
It's almost like an insulation against other relationships and other circumstances in my life. It doesn't matter how hard my work day was. It doesn't matter how many aggravating people I've had to deal with. It doesn't matter how many bad experiences I've had to go through. If I can go home at night and have unity with those that are in my home, in my house, it is such a blessing. It could be that we need unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You might be a Christian today. And you just have some people within the body of Christ, uh, other Christians. They could be other people that are in your fellowship, in your church. And at some time in the past, there has uh, been a brokenness there in a relationship. There's been division, and that division has never been fixed. Uh, you may even go to church with these people. You may even worship God with these people. But as you sit there on the pew every week, you know that you have a problem uh, between you and this person or you and these people. I'm telling you, if there is not unity, there is something that is really, really wrong. And in Psalm 133, David tells us how good and pleasant unity is. I want us to read that scripture. The Bible says in Psalm 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. First word in that psalm says, behold. And behold simply means, uh, look up here, look at this, look, there's something I want you to see. In other words, David's beginning this psalm and he's saying, behold, look, I want you to see something. I want you to observe something. I want you to give your attention to something. What is it that you want me to see, David? What is it that you want me to observe? What is it that you want me to take notice of? And he tells us how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And I think it's interesting there that King David tells us that unity is one of those special things that is both good and pleasant. In fact, I'll say this, and at the end of the scripture that I'm reading out of, there's an exclamation point, not a period. That verse ends with an exclamation point. In other words, this unity is very good. This unity is very pleasant when we have it. Have you ever thought about that not everything that is good is pleasant? And not everything that is pleasant is good. That's true, you know. Uh, however, King David says unity is always both. Unity is good, and it's always good, and it's pleasant, and it's always pleasant. Let me give you an example of how not everything that's good is pleasant. Recently, uh, just in the last few days, I had to go to the dentist. And uh, I, I had a dentist appointment. And it, it wasn't for an emergency uh, I actually schedule an appointment about twice a year, about once every six months, just to go for a checkup and, and have some x-rays taken of my teeth and, and have my teeth professionally clean. And I started that practice when I was a child. My parents taught me how important it was to look after my teeth and to have good dental health. And so I've, I've tried to keep that up. But I'm going to tell you something. It is good to do that. It is good for my health. It is good for my teeth to go and to have them checked and to go and to fix the problems that are starting to occur and to have my teeth clean. But I can tell you this, even though I know it's good for me, I seldom go to the dentist when I think, boy, this is really pleasant. This is such a wonderful experience. No, I don't think that at all. Matter of fact, going to the dentist is one of the most unpleasant things that I do in my year. And yet I do it because I know it's good for me, but it's not pleasant to me. 
And there's also things that are pleasant to me, but they're not good. They're not good for me. I, like probably many of you, I like dessert. I like to eat sweet things. And there's nothing wrong with eating a few sweet things, but I like to eat a lot of sweet things. And here's the thing. Sweet things, desserts, are pleasant to the taste. They're pleasure to eat, but they're not good for you. If you eat them in excess, if you have them all the time, it might be pleasant as you're doing it, but it's not good for you. So you see, something can be good, but not pleasant, and it can be pleasant, but not good. But unity is one of the special things, King David says, that it is always very good, and it is always very pleasant. Wherever you find unity, it'll always be good, and it will always be pleasant. With whom should we be united? And we've already alluded to that in the introduction to this message, but let's look at it a little more specifically. With whom should we be united? Well, King David says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He uses the word brethren. So I know that probably King David in the time period that he lived, he would have probably been thinking when he was speaking of brethren, he would have probably been thinking of his nationality. He would have probably been thinking of those that were Jews. He would have probably been thinking those of us that are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those of us that are brethren in that way, we should be united. After all, the kingdom had been split between the northern and the southern kingdom, and all of a sudden at his coronation as king, the kingdoms are coming back together as one group. And after a long time of division, David might have written this song and said, hey, we're all from the Jewish race. We're all descendants of Abraham. We need to be united. There are things that have divided us, but unity is good and unity is pleasant. And we need to find a way to have unity again. And when he uses this word brethren, he's probably also thinking of the relationship that he has with his God. You know, David was a person that knew God in an intimate and personal way. Uh, He said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And in many of the Psalms and in many of the writings about David, we see that he had a close personal relationship with God. The Bible says two different times that David was a man after God's own heart. David knew his creator. He knew God in a personal way. He had a relationship with the Lord. And here's the thing. We all need that relationship. And the Bible says that every person that's born is born in sin. The first people that were created, Adam and Eve, they sinned in the garden, and that sin passed on to all mankind. And it's not only that we're born in sin, but we, when we reach an age of accountability and we're making our own decisions, we choose to sin. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, no, not one. Every person that has ever lived, every person that is living, and every person that ever will live, except for Jesus Christ himself, will sin or has sin. And the scripture says that our sin separates us from God. The scripture says that our sin and the fact that we're sinners causes us to have a division between us and our creator, us and our God. In fact, the scripture says that a person that is lost, a person that has not been forgiven of their sin, not only are they not united with God, the scripture says they're alienated from God. The scripture says a lost person is literally an enemy of God. And so I believe the first person that we need to be united with is our God. The first one that we need to be united with is our creator. 
the one that created us, the one that died for us on the cross, the one that wants to save us from our sin, we need to be united with him. And the scripture tells us that through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his shed blood, that we can find and have that unity, that we can be restored, that the relationship that was broken can be brought together again. We must repent of our sins and place our faith in Christ and Christ alone. And we can become his child and he will become our heavenly father and we'll be placed in the family of God. We'll be his children and we'll become his heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's the first unity that we need to be looking at. We need to be making sure that we have unity with our God, with our creator. And I believe with all my heart that David had that. He was not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but I believe that David had a unity with his creator, and I believe that's the first unity that we need to have. And when we have it, it is good, and it is pleasant always. I've never found anybody anywhere in any country that I've been to that was in a right relationship with their God and their creator that it wasn't good and pleasant, and yet I've never seen anybody that did not have that right relationship with God that their life was going good and pleasant. They might have been rich. They might have had a good job. They may have lived in a big house. They may have had material possessions, but I can guarantee you this. They were missing something in their life. They had something in them that was not right because until that division between us and God is solved, there's a conflict in our life. But I believe that not only do we need to be united with the Lord, I believe that we need to be united with our family. And I'm speaking here of our physical family. And most specifically, if we're married, our spouse and our children, our mother and our father, those that are closest to us in our physical relationships. The Bible speaks of this. And I believe that on some level, David had to be thinking about this when he wrote this passage of Scripture and said, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. David had a wife. David had children. David had a family. He was king, and he did have many possessions and power and riches, but he also had a family. Just like many of us, we have families. He was a man. He was a husband. He was a father. And he had observed within his own home how bad it is when there are divisions. There were times in David's life when he had division with his wives. There were times in David's life when he had division uh, between him and his children. There were times when David observed a terrible division between the children and his family. David understood when there's unity in the family, it's good and pleasant. And when there's not unity within the family, it can be very, very bad. The Bible speaks on many different levels about the need for unity within the physical family. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Husbands, likewise dwell with them, that is your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to a weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. You know, that's powerful. You know, sometimes I think we we just don't think very much. We don't think it's a very big problem when we have division between us and our family members. I think sometimes husbands and wives, they think, oh, you know, we had an argument today and, and, and there's been conflict in our, in our marriage or conflict in our family. And that conflict is kind of simmering on for days and weeks and months. And we just tend to think to ourselves, well, that's normal. It's just the way people live. It's just the way we are. And we, we let that conflict go on. 
on and that division go on and we think that it's not really a problem, look at what God says. God says, this is how highly I view unity. This is how big of a problem I view a lack of unity, that I view division within the physical family. He says to husbands, if you are divided with your wife, if you're not united with your wife, when you go to pray, it can literally hinder your prayers from being heard and answered. We're also told in Scripture that fathers should not exasperate their children. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't discipline them. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't lead and guide them. But we're told not to exasperate them, not to do things that would cause them to have unnecessary conflict within the family. We're told in Scripture not to let the sun go down on our anger. We're told in Scripture that a house divided against itself cannot stand. You see, I'm telling you. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how good a job you have. I don't care how educated you are. If you have divisions in your physical family, if you're married and you're living with divisions with your spouse, if you've been blessed with children in your home and there's divisions between siblings or there's divisions between parents and children, I'm telling you, I don't care how good everything else is going in your life, that division in your family is going to end up being a heartache. It's going to end up being a true problem within your family. David knew this personally. He knew the pain and destruction of disunity within the family. David's son, Absalom, murdered Amon and tried to take the throne from his father by force. David's son, Adonijah, tried to preempt Solomon's right to the throne. David knew division in his family. And even though he rose to the highest position within his community and in his nation, he was king of Israel and he had all the power and all of the prestige and all of the possessions. And yet because of the divisions within his family, because of the lack of unity in his family, David suffered immensely in his life. And I can tell you, it doesn't matter how well you do materially in this life. If you don't find a way to solve the divisions within your physical family, you will suffer as well. That's one of the places that brethren should have unity. And then we should have unity in the family of God. We should have unity within the church. We should have unity between brothers and sisters in Christ. And I believe that's one of the things that David was certainly thinking of when he said, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Today in our culture, Christians consider uh, fellow Christians as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a family of faith. We have one heavenly father and we are his children and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the family of God. We are the church of God. We are the body of Christ and we should get along, but we don't. We have problems. We have divisions. In some situations, we have huge divisions, huge problems, huge conflicts between different groups of Christians or people within the same church or community of faith. And I'm telling you that it ought not to be. There is more that unites us in the body of Christ. There is more that unites us as Christians than divides us. You can make me a list as long as you want that shows and says, these are the things that cause me to have division with other Christians. But I can tell you the things 
that unite us are greater than the things that divide us. What are the things that unite us? We're all sinners. We're all saved by grace. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all have the same heavenly father. We're all filled with the same Holy Spirit. We're all servants in the same kingdom. We're all heirs of the same promises. We're all members of the same body and we're all headed to the same heaven. There is more that unites us than divides us. And we desperately need unity within the body of Christ, within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is full of admonition for the people of God and the church of Jesus Christ to be united, to be one, to be in one heart, in one accord, in one mind, in one spirit. There is strong verses in the Bible that speak of the need for the people of God and the church of God to have unity. One of those verses is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. The scripture says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, I'm afraid that In our modern societies, we don't view division as being as big a problem as God views division. And I know that we don't most of the time because we have these divisions among Christians. We have these divisions among Christian denominations and among Christian churches and among Christian believers and Christian pastors. We have these divisions, true divisions. And and yet we go on with our Christian life and we don't seek to restore those broken relationships. We don't seek to find a way to move forward in unity. We just say, well, I, I don't agree with them and I have division with them and I don't like them and I can't get along with them. And, and we don't do anything about it. But how does God view division? How seriously does God view a lack of unity within the body of Christ? This passage of scripture says this is how God feels about unity. Jesus said in this passage of scripture, if you come to the house of God, if you come to your church and you're going down to the altar to give a gift to the Lord, and as you go to the altar to give your gift, you remember that there's some brother that has something against you. There's some division between you and another member of the body of Christ. The scripture says, this is what you're to do. You're to leave your gift at the altar and you're to go to restore your relationship with your brother. You're to go and to make things right with your brother and sister in Christ. And then and only then are you to come back and to offer your gift at the altar of the Lord. My friends, that sounds like to me that God takes division seriously. It sounds like to me that God takes unity seriously, and I believe that we need to begin to take unity more seriously as well. What is unity like? What is unity like? Uh, David gives us two analogies in this short uh, psalm to describe or demonstrate what unity is like. The first one, uh, he says it's like the oil that was poured over Aaron the high priest. Uh, He says that in verse 2. He says, It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. That's what unity is like. He says this, Unity is like 
when Aaron, the high priest, was appointed to be high priest, and God commanded them to make this anointing oil, and then they took that oil and they poured it over his head, and that oil that he was anointed with ran over his face and dripped down his beard onto his clothes, even going down to the very hem of his garments. And what David says in this passage of Scripture, under the anointing of God, is that unity is like when Aaron was anointed. Well, what was it like? What did that all represent? I believe that that all represented God pouring out his anointing on Aaron as high priest. That all represented God pouring out his anointing. It was a physical sign that God was choosing this person and sanctifying this person for a divine purpose. That all represented the anointing of God being poured out on Aaron. Now, that's what unity is like. When we have unity, it is like having the anointing of God poured on our life. And when we don't have unity, it's like the anointing of God not being on our life. And how many of us as individuals, how many of us as individual believers, how many of us as uh, husbands or, or wives or people within our family, how many of us as, as members within our churches are living lives without the anointing of God? We're living lives without the anointing of God because there's disunity between us and our creator, either because we're lost and we've never truly repented of our sins and placed our faith in Christ and been genuinely saved, or either we are saved and yet we're living in sin and, and we're allowing uh, some sin or unconfessed sin or bad habit to keep us out of a right relationship with, with our Savior. And so that disunity is causing us not to have the anointing of God on our life. Or there's division within our families. I'm divided with my spouse or my children or my mother or my father or my brothers or sisters. And the fact that I have division within my physical family is keeping God from being able to pour out his anointing on my life, or, or maybe it's divisions within the body of Christ. There are people that are, that are fellow believers. There are people that are fellow church members at my church, and I just can't get along with them. I just have problems with them, and we have unresolved conflict that, that has happened in the past. My friends, I'm here to tell you, if you don't have unity in your life between you and your God and you and your physical family members and you and your brothers and sisters in Christ— God is not going to pour out his anointing on your life. And I don't know about you, but I want the anointing of God. I want God to be able to pour out his anointing on me. I want God to be able to pour out his anointing on my marriage. I want God to be able to pour out his anointing on my family. I want God to be able to pour out his anointing on my ministry. I want the anointing of God. But the scripture says that unity is what brings that kind of anointing that the pouring out of God's anointing is like unity. And that oil that was poured out also represents the presence of God. As that oil was being poured on Aaron, it was a sign that God was going to be with him in a very special way. He was a person that was going to have the presence of God in his life. Don't you want the presence of God? Don't you want to be able to walk in close fellowship with God? Don't you want to have an intimate relationship 
with the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to walk through this life and walk through my Christian life at a guilty distance from my God and my Savior. I want to be able to walk in a close personal relationship with Him. I want to be able to walk with Him in the very center of His will for my life. But the only way that I can do that is if I have his anointing poured out on me and if I have his presence with me at all times. When that oil was poured out, it was also a a sign of God's power. Not only uh, his anointing being poured out and his presence in a very special way, but it was a sign of the power of God, a sign that Aaron was going to be operating and working and ministering with God's supernatural power. Now, he was just a man. He was a man like all of the other uh, men in Israel. He was a sinner. He was not perfect. And yet, because he had this anointing, because God had poured out his anointing, because God was going to be present in his life in a very special and powerful way, because he was going to have the power of God on his life, then there was going to be something special about Aaron. Don't you want the power of God? Don't you want the power of God in your life? Don't you want the power of God helping you to be the kind of child of God that you've been called and created to be? Don't you want the power of God helping you to be the kind of husband or mother or wife or or, or, or whatever it is that you have been called to be? Don't you want the power of God on you when you do your ministry, when you do your work, when you seek to make the money that you need for the sustaining of your family? Don't you want the power of God to be able to rest on your life? Well, we have that through unity. The power of God comes when we're united with him and with those around us. But not only did he use the analogy that unity was like the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron, he used another analogy in verse 3. He said, unity is also like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So he said, unity is also like the dew of Hermon. Uh, what does that mean? Well, Mount Hermon is a mountain uh, in the area of Israel. And Mount Hermon is about 9,200 feet tall. And it stands at the extreme northern part of Palestine. And historically, the melting of snow that falls on Mount Hermon uh, and, and then melts in the spring and summer, it provides one of the major water supplies for the Jordan River. So in other words, this tall mountain that stands there in Israel, in an otherwise uh, fairly arid area of the world, a fair, fairly dry place in the world. I mean, if you go over into the Middle East and you go into Egypt and you go into Assyria and you go into Jordan and and you go uh, in in Lebanon and you go to these countries and you go into Israel, what you're going to see in the Middle East, what you're going to see in that part of the world is a lot of desert. You're going to see a lot of dry and inhospitable landscape. You're going to see a lot of rocks and rugged terrain that doesn't have a lot of trees or vegetation. And it's not able to sustain much vegetation because of the lack of water. And historically, even going back to biblical times, we read about in in the Old Testament how they had continuing drought, how they had continuing famine uh, because of a lack of rain, because of a lack of water. And yet, 
all through the years, even going back to biblical times, to the time of King David and even before that, even up to this modern time that we live in today, one of the things that sustains that small area that we call Israel, one of the things that sustains that area and helps them to be able to have a great agriculture and, and to be able to be a breadbasket, as it were, and to be able to have orchards and vineyards and, and farmland and, and to be able to grow crops in an otherwise uh, arid uh, climate is that they have this water supply. And part of the thing that supplies that water, one of the major supplies of water in that dry area is Mount Hermon and the melting of snow that comes off of Mount Hermon. And then because of its high elevation, uh, Mount Hermon also has heavy dews. In the morning time, almost year round, the ground will be heavy with dew, almost like it has rained. And those heavy dews will keep the vegetation and the grass and the trees watered even in dry times, even when there's drought in the areas around that mountain, even when the other crops and vegetation dry up, you will have green on Mount Hermon because of the melting of snow and because of the heavy dews in the morning time. And what David says is, using this great analogy, David says, having unity is like the water on Mount Hermon. It's like the melting of that snow. It's like the dew on the ground on Mount Hermon. What does he mean? He means this. If we have unity, when everything is drying up around us, when everybody around us is experiencing a lack of provision, God is going to provide for us. God is going to water us. God is going to sustain us. God is going to meet our need just as he met those people's needs through the fertility of that area around Mount Hermon. I love the end of that verse. It says, for there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. I was thinking to myself today as I was looking at this passage of Scripture, who or what can stand against what God has commanded his blessing on? Who or what can stand against what God has commanded his blessing on? The Bible says that when we have unity in our lives, that when we have unity with our God, when we have unity in our families, when we have unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are putting ourselves in a situation where God can make sure that we are watered at all times. Our well will never run dry. He will always provide for us. He will give us provision. Supernatural provision comes from unity. And then pronounced blessing. Pronounced blessing comes from unity. God says, if you will live your life united with me, if you'll live your life united with your family, if you'll live your life united with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you will create a situation where I can pronounce my blessing on your life, where I can pronounce my blessing on your family, where I can pronounce my blessing on your church, on your ministry, on whatever it is that's in your life. And my friend, I can assure you of this, that when God commands his blessing on a person, when God commands his blessing 
on a church, when God commands his blessing on anything, there is nothing that any person, there's nothing that even Satan himself can do to destroy what God has pronounced his blessing on. But you know, the problem today, my friend, is that many of us are not living in unity. We're not living in unity with our God. We're not living in unity with those within our physical family. And we're not living in unity with those within the body of Christ. And yet we're praying to God and we're saying, God, provide for us. God, bless us. God, help us. And you know what? God's saying back to us, I want to help you. I want to provide for you. I want to pronounce my blessing on you. But there's division in your life. And because you have division in your life, and because you're unwilling to fix that division, I can't put my divine provision on you. I can't pronounce my blessing on you. My friends, whatever it is that you're trying to hang on to, whatever bitterness it is, whatever past grudge it is, whatever past hurt or offense that it is that's keeping us uh, going forward with divisions in our relationships, we need to realize that those divisions and our unwillingness to deal with those divisions is keeping us from receiving the divine provision and the pronounced blessing of the Lord. I ask you today, is there anything in this world that is worth allowing us to miss the pronounced blessing of God? My friends, there is nothing. There is nothing that is worth holding on to in order that I might miss the pronounced blessing of God. We need his provision. We need his pronounced blessing. And we can have it when we have unity. My friends, will you cry out to Jesus Christ today in faith and repentance? Will you allow him through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and through his shed blood to bring unity between you and your creator? And if you're a Christian already, but you find yourself drifting away from the Lord, you find yourself with unconfessed sin in your life, you find yourself walking a distance, a guilty distance from your Savior, will you come back to him today? Will you confess your sin? Will you allow him to restore that broken relationship that's causing you to have division between you and your Savior? My friends, if there's divisions between you and your family members, will you begin to try to do your part to fix those things? Will you be willing to forgive? Will you be willing to humble yourself and, and, and seek to build bridges of healing between you and those people that are in your family? My friends, you must do it. You must allow God to help you. you. Even if they aren't willing to forgive you, you need to forgive them. As much as it depends on you, you need to live at peace with all men. That's what the Bible says. You need to allow God to begin to use you to bring healing and unity in your family. And you need to allow him to bring that same unity between you and the fellow people in our community of faith, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when that unity comes... I can promise you that it will be good and it will be pleasant. Allow God to show you how good and how pleasant that unity can be. Allow Jesus Christ to do a work of unity in your life, in your family, and in your community of faith. 
That's my prayer for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. This is the program Save to the Uttermost, and you've been listening to a message from evangelist Brian Tyndall entitled, The Blessing of Unity. And if you'd like to receive a CD copy of this message, you can do so by simply visiting uttermostevangelism.org. When you're there, look for details on how to order. That website again is uttermostevangelism.org. If you prefer to write us, just send a letter to Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. That's P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, P-O-N-T-O-T-O-C, Mississippi, 38803. You can also phone us at 662-372-1912. That's 662-372-1912. As Brian shared with us today, if we want to live in unity with others, we first need to be united to Christ. And if you've never come to Jesus, we'd like to send you a free resource by Brian entitled, Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. This book examines the five aspects of salvation, why all people need to be saved, how God has made our salvation possible, why anyone can be saved, what salvation really is, and how we receive God's gift of salvation. Just contact us and we'll send you a copy of the book absolutely free as our gift to you. Brian Tyndall is the founder and president of Uttermost Evangelism. Brian has been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ for over 25 years and has pastored churches and preached revivals and evangelistic meetings in the United States and in Europe. In fact, Brian and his family served for eight years as church planting missionaries in Romania and planted five churches there. Today, Brian ministers through Uttermost Evangelism as a full-time missionary evangelist. Uttermost Evangelism and the Save to the Uttermost broadcast are funded by the generous gifts of people just like you. Your support helps further kingdom growth. Send your tax-deductible donation to P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38803 or visit uttermostevangelism.org. Thanks for listening today. Join us next time. And remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through Him. God bless. Save to the Uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism, Pontotoc, Mississippi.